Hi, I'm Greg, and welcome to another episode of Passion of the Geeks Unplugged. Usually, Pat and I talk about geek and pop culture and everything else we enjoy, but sometimes there are things that only one of us is an expert in. This is what Passion of the Geeks Unplugged is for. Shorter, unedited, straight to the point. Unplugged. So, this week, I'm going to do something special, and it's probably going to be the start of a series that maybe, maybe not, will take us through summer. I just recently finished oral mature exams. So yeah, I'm the examinator in that yeah, in that scenario. So I had to read a few books. I reread a few books just to be sure that, yeah, I basically can do good exams with my students. And I thought, hmm, some of these books I prepared, they're actually quite good. And maybe some of our listeners are interested in these books as well. And maybe why you should read them. So, as I said, there are many, many books I read and I try to yeah, come up with some system of yeah, categorizing them a little bit. So, today, in this first episode of Greg's Book Club number one, I'm going to talk about some classics and why you should read them. Even though there are classics and maybe you think, oh, why should I read such an old book? Some of them are really, really good and I'm going to give you five examples Uh, there are others, but I decided to stick to five because, yeah, I don't want these to be too long and it's very hot outside and, yeah, quick and dirty. This is unplugged after all. So uh, let's dive straight in. Uh, first book I would like to mention is The Great Gatsby by F. Scott Fitzgerald from 1925. It's probably the most famous book about the Roaring Twenties there is. Mick Calloway, the narrator, tells the story of Gatsby and Gatsby's pursuit of the American dream. Or maybe Gatsby is just pursuing a woman. Not really sure uh, what you want to call this. Uh, Gatsby is in love with Daisy, uh, Tom's uh, cousin, and she lives across the, uh, across the river in West Egg. And Daisy, and uh, this is actually one thing uh, I would really like to talk about uh, when, when it comes to this novel. Daisy is Gatsby's green light. She's his dream. And under the watchful eyes of an advertisement, tragedy unfolds. And let's be honest, it's mostly Daisy's fault. And as I said, this green light, the watchful eyes, and uh, the valley of the ashes... It's actually, the, these are the main reasons why I really like this novel. You could argue that Fitzgerald's use of symbolism is maybe a little bit on the nose, but it definitely works for me. The green light, the valley of the ashes, the watchful eyes that are part of a billboard, they really mean something. And these details actually enhance the story. And even though sometimes symbolism in a novel can be a hard thing for people to, to, to wrap their head around it, I really think uh, it works very well here. And yeah, definitely check out The Great Gatsby for a, a novel with an interesting story, some compelling characters, even though some of these women are bad. And well, let's be honest, Callaway and Gatsby, they're no saints either. Uh That really works when you look at some of the details. So highly recommend Great Gatsby by F. Scott Fitzgerald. I'm keeping it chronologically. Uh, the second novel, or in this case, novella might be the better word for it, is Of Mice and Man by John Steinbeck from 1937. This is a book, it, 
on in one way it's always surprising why students like this but then again not really because it's really really good uh, but this is one of those cases where just on paper it should work why would teenagers or today's teenagers be interested in the story of george and lenny two farmhands trying to find their luck during the great depression i mean nothing is further away from their reality so this shouldn't work I'm not sure if it's Lenny's innocence or kind of the tragic story uh, that works. But at the end of the day, I think it boils down to specificity. Specificity is kind of a, an interesting concept in literature and movies or whatever. Because I think the way Steinbeck describes the character kind of, or his descriptions of the world, the characters, they're a very specific story is actually what makes it universal. By following their tr Lenny's and George's uh, tragic pursuit of their dream, their American dream, slight connection to Great Gatsby, we all we, we learn something about our ourselves and the kind of the nature of pursuing dreams. So, yeah, the more specific you make something, the more universal it gets. Or kind of, or to phrase it the other other way around, if you really want to tell a story that can appeal to a large audience, make it specific. Yeah, of Mice and Men, it's a very short read. You can basically read it in the afternoon. Uh, there is a nice uh, yeah a site in there about rabbits on a farm. But yeah, of Mice and Men by John Steinbeck, highly recommended. Third novel. And we're back in novel territory, is 1945's Catcher in the Rye by J.D. Selinger. Let's just start by saying that I hate Holden. And I think you're supposed to. Holden is a strange and very unlikable character. His, the choices he makes are stupid. All his decisions are silly. The way he approaches the world is just baffling and i mean yeah he's well he obviously he's not a villain but kind of uh, putting villains aside he's probably one of the most unlikable characters in all, in all over literature yeah don't uh don't hold me to that uh he's self-obsessed he's vulgar he's rude he's entitled yeah he's a teenager and sure uh I'm exaggerating a little bit with Holden being every prototypical teenager, but it's it's not that far from it because I have to admit there are some aspects of Holden where I can see myself in. And that's the same for teenagers today as well. I mean, obviously we don't have the same problems as Holden because yeah, he, he has baggage. He has baggage. And what Salinger manages to do with him as a character is kind of truly capture the psyche of an adolescent. And this is even more impressing uh, when you consider that the novel was written in 1945. And I think the language does a kind of, yeah, does a large part of this because, yeah, it's language from 1945, but it still sounds, Holton sounds like a teenager sounds today. Maybe the slang hasn't changed or maybe teenagers haven't changed, but yeah, that's very impressive. So 
if you want to yeah, be annoyed by a teenager, but maybe learn a little bit along the way about how bad you were as a teenager, Catcher in the Rye by J.D. Salinger is definitely a book to check out. Moving on, number four, 1984 by George Orwell, published in 1949. And I contemplated writing this little part about 1984 in Newspeak, but then I decided against it because, yeah, Newspeak is ungood. George Orwell, probably one of the most influential writers of the 20th century, and I consider having an adjective coined after you kind of evidence of this. If that's not enough... There's also this ungood or maybe even double plus ungood show that is co- uh, that uh, uses a phrase from uh, 1984, but let's not go in- get into that. So uh, obviously 1984 has a story, Winston kind of starting to rebel against the government, falling in love with Julia, trying to find yeah, the, the head of the rebellion. But I think what sets 1984 apart it's actually not the story, it's the word building. And I'm not trying to devalue the story. It's an important part of it and it gets you th- it gets us through the world. But the things that stay behind are the telly screens, Big Brother, Newspeak, the Ministry of Truth, and the Ministry of Love and all these all these crazy things. Orwell was definitely not a prophet, because the roots of everything he describes are were actually there when he wrote it. Politics were already trying to control media, especially Nazi Germany. Fascism and totalitarianism was on the rise or, or, or did rise and yeah, was responsible for World War II. But kind of the idea that, uh, how should I put it? But are we sure that, uh, I mean, I, I always thought it was supposed to be, uh, yeah, kind of a cautionary tale. And I'm not sure Orville meant it as a blueprint. Because when you when you look around today and there there's so many reasons during the last few years to yeah, bring up Orville or Valian in 1984 again, and not just in, in silly Apple commercials from the 80s. I mean, every time one of these silly right-wing leaders does something or tries to tell the people, no, no, there were more people at my integration than anyone else's. Uh, we see this idea that, yeah, there's a political system, there's a political party, and they try to make us see things differently. Alternative facts, fake news, and so on. So, yeah, uh, 1984, it should be a cautionary tale and not a blueprint. Maybe if more people read it, we still have a chance. Uh, last but not least, 1960s To Kill a Mockingbird by Harper Lee. She only published one other book in 2015, uh, Ghost at a Watchman. But let's not, let's not get into that story because apparently that's highly problematic. Let's just focus on To Kill a Mockingbird. I think it's really crazy that a 60-year-old book about racism in Alabama still feels current. The book is about the Finch family, Atticus, the German scout, and Atticus, who's defend- Atticus is defending a black man called Tom Robbins, an innocent black man who's accused of a horrible crime. 
I have to admit, from today's point of view, there are some elements of this novel that are a little bit problematic. Kind of the whole idea of uh, a white savior, because basically Atticus is defending Tom just to feel good or just for us to see that Atticus is a better person than all the other people living in the town of Macomb, Alabama. But considering that it depicts the 1930s in Alabama, the depiction is actually or probably spot on. Not a, never, never lived there, so I don't know. But what I think sets the novel apart and why I think you should still read, the, read it, it's not, not, not about the core case. It's actually the very beautiful coming-of-age story. Scout is a very interesting choice for a narrator. And the core message of the book kind of that still resonates with me today, the idea of empathy and how empathy should and can be a powerful thing. So kind of yet to paraphrase the novel, I actually think it is a good idea to walk around in someone else's shoes because you might learn something. And the prose of this novel is also quite well. So yeah, these were five novels for you to read. I'll probably do another one of these with five other ones. So yeah, you better get your summer reading going. Uh, Next week, we're probably back with a... Or not probably. Next week, we're back with a full episode. Our last one before we take a little summer break. But yeah. So this is it for this week. Please like, share and subscribe to our little podcast here. We're on all major podcasting services and on www.passionoftheGeeks.com. You can send in questions, declarations of love, and all other things to passionofthegeeks at gmail.com. And we're also on Twitter at passionotgeeks. Take care.